0: This episode was recorded in 2023. Hello and welcome to Returnity. I'm Letty Gordon Furs, founder of the Springback Guide. Every week we'll be diving into the pressing need for better support on women's back-to-work journeys after maternity leave. You'll hear real-life stories from working mums where motherhood has transformed their careers and get an inside look at the industry leaders at the forefront of innovating in this space. Ready? Let's go. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Jess Hegren from Careers After Babies. Welcome, Jess. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, good. So Jess is the second of a monthly series I'm doing, which is called Change Makers, which is people who are in the space of returnity, essentially, and trying to make this easier for everybody. So I'm really excited because it's a bit of my normal stuff, which is like going back in time and talking about Jess pre-babies, but it's also really focusing on what Jess is doing now to make this transition better for women everywhere and also really make some waves in this area so I'm super super excited but look what I ask all of my guests is where are you in the world right now and what can you see in front of you? I
1: am in Petersfield in Hampshire in the UK and I'm looking out at a ridiculously leafy garden so I live in beech tree cottage because there's a massive beech (laughs) tree in our garden which is beautiful and provides great shade in the summer but also literally makes our whole lawn brown at uh, this time of year. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> out a very oh God,
1: garden. It.
0: That sounds really nice. So I'll just describe how we know each other. So Jess and I know each other because we went to an amazing event run by a very new company. It's a startup called The Herd, which is all about making nursery fees affordable for parents via workplace. Nursery schemes and they help navigate that for workplaces. So, shout out the herd firstly. And but also, they organised an event in the House of Commons called No Parent Forced Out. And Jess was on the panel and I was so inspired by her talking that we caught up afterwards. And I just thought, I think there's a real story in here and I was just desperate to get it out. So, tell me about your family unit. Who is in it?
1: So, there are six of us in our family unit. It's very much chaotic. When you asked me what I was looking at, I very purposefully looked up over my screen because I'm actually surrounded by dirty socks, toys, high chairs, bits of old food crunching underfoot that I haven't had a chance to sweep up yet. I have (laughs) four children. (laughs) My youngest has just been two and my eldest has just been nine. So I've got three girls and a boy. And then I have a wonderful, ever patient husband who is very much in family life. 50 50 with me a lot of the time we have to do together because there's so many children and life is obviously so hectic you don't want to ever come near my house between the hours of four and seven (laughs) very quickly (laughs) but yeah it's uh, wonderful but my god is it chaotic
0: (laughs) four is just bananas like even three I feel like is really pushing the boat out because suddenly you're outnumbered by the kids four is really brave like I'm
1: incredibly impressed I always say to people there's no real difference between three and four so I think if you have one child I feel and not to be unfair to anyone this is just my reflection looking back when we have one we could maintain yes life changes but you know you can still go out and it's quite easy to ask someone to look after one two you're a bit more in it family-wise three and beyond it's just Life is all about the children and it's it's just chaos. <laughs> but I think you either love it or you hate it. and We love it. I grew up in a very busy house. I love that. People coming in and out all the time. We always have friends around. Lots of um, my children's friends' mum will say, oh, I can't possibly give you another one. I'm like, you absolutely can because it will keep one of mine occupied and that's fine. I just We're very much more the
0: merrier in this house. Oh, that sounds like a heavenly yeah. house. I
1: want to come not so
0: much. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is the thing, right? Because it must make the contrast between what life was like pre-babies and what life is like now, just absolutely massive. It must feel like the biggest gulf. So tell me about your life pre-babies. What were you doing work-wise?
1: Oh, life before babies. Uh, Do you know, it does genuinely feel like a completely different lifetime. And we We moved when we had children out of London, as lots of people do, but I think I was 38 and a half weeks pregnant when we moved house out into an hour outside of London. Oh my God. That sort of demarcation between pre-baby and post-baby was even more... It worked. We wanted to bring up our children near our family. They're all based down here near us. So, yeah, it was very intentional. But life before was lots of traveling, very committed to my work. So, I at the time was strategy and distribution director for one of the UK's biggest insurance companies. I had worked exceptionally hard and was one of the youngest directors in the group, There's about 15,000 people in there. In my division, I was the only female director, only female board member, a good 10 years younger than everyone I worked with. I was proud. Yes, I still had my imposter syndrome moments as we all do, but you know, I was proud and I'd worked hard and I would work ridiculously late hours. I had a few hundred people working for me, half a billion pound of premium I was responsible for.
0: That was my life. I was completely
1: committed to my work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was clearly really important to you. But insurance is not the most uh, glamorous, is that fair (laughs) to say? What took you there? Because that's something in itself.
1: So I did my university degree. It was a really interesting one. I think it still runs, actually, through Nottingham Business School, whereby you did a year at uni, so your first year, and then your second and third year you did in industry, while she was studying Um, so I think it was every six months we would go back and do a three-week study block where we would cram basically a semester's worth of work into those three weeks and then take the exams at the end and then we'd have coursework alongside which sounds like a lot but actually what it meant was that by the time we came to graduate only after three years you already had two years of experience in industry and they had companies that they partnered with but I wanted to be closer to home so I didn't particularly want to stay up north around that area so I secured my own placement through a local company which was an insurance intermediary but it wasn't very insurancey which sounds silly but I used to do business development for them and then a few years later we were then bought by a proper insurance company a few nights we were bought by Churchill and then Direct Line bought Churchill and then RBS Bank bought them. I had lots of different careers and i was able to grow from so i started in a company that was 200 people and then became part of this corporate and i was lucky enough to be able to move through different stages of my career in what felt like quite different organizations so i moved up to london Mm. with them i joined the strategy team and that's why i got into strategy then i was due to be the next chief of staff for the ceo when the RBS banking crash happened. So he got whisked back over into the bank and I then was left hanging a little bit. And one of the directors of the other areas said to me, just, come and work for me and it was in the dustiest part of insurance how you typically imagine insurance to be it was in that part of the business and I just said to him no way because actually the bit that I've been working was quite fun it was all new tech and it was all really interesting anyway he eventually convinced me and we did a big turnaround job on it and we took it from being a dusty part of insurance to actually being really quite dynamic and I would get to look at all the modern technologies so I think insurance gets a, a bit of a bad rap and don't get me wrong there are pockets of it that aren't great but the work that I was doing was always Ways, really
0: interesting
1: so yeah it wasn't as bad as it sounds Is that okay
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie you're like telling it to me right now I'm like boom. <laughs> <laughs> no it was interesting work okay so when and mm-hmm. then how did you start thinking about babies then you're clearly super committed to your career really mm-hmm. enjoying it fast-paced and then you're thinking okay I'm just gonna add a giant bomb to the equation so when so- did that happen <laughs> So the way the story goes, so
1: I, one particular day, I was up at our public facing board. Whilst I was in there, one of the non-exec directors said to me, oh, Jessie, we've heard your name before. Tell us, what's it like to be a young, upcoming female in our business? And I said to this guy, do you want me to tell you the truth? At which point my boss just put his hands over his face and was like, oh God, I have <laughs> to Honest, it's never quite left me. So I said to this guy, look, it's great work that I've done to get me interested But I spend my life surrounded by men who are 10, 20 years my senior. They've all had stay-at-home wives. And I look around this organization knowing that I want a baby at some point in the next couple of years. And there's just no one doing it. Like, How does that pay out? And they all Mm. sat there in silence for a minute and kind of said, actually, you're the type of person that we need to do something about. And they asked me to set up one of the first diversity and inclusion committees. I think it was one of the first in the industry, actually, which was cool. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, I worked with one of the directors at the time and we got that up and running. What year was this, if you don't mind me asking? No,
1: this was probably about 11, 12 years ago. So yeah, probably 2010, 2010, around that time. And I led the gender and working families part for the remainder of the time that I was employed by them, actually. Then I fell pregnant a couple of years later. And I, knowing that I was obviously in such a male dominated environment, I didn't want to take more than six months and risk someone else taking my job and then moving me to a different part of the business. So I took five and a half months maternity leave, which frankly wasn't long as we as we all know. It's not it was my first baby. I was going through this massive personal change and I found it really hard that really hard going from professional person star at everything to being at home all the time with a baby with no routine I think I hadn't realized quite how wedded to some sort of structure in my life I was so I relied very heavily on baby tracker apps and that type of thing just to try and bring some sense of normality I think to my life Mm -hmm. and I found that transition exceptionally hard so I think hung on to work as a bit of a, oh maybe things will go back to normal at some point but then when I did go back and I phased back there were some good sort of policies and stuff in place but just didn't know who I was anymore I, re- I remember I would just sit in a room and everything had changed and everything had moved on and the strategy that I had written before I went off had morphed into something else and no one really caught me up on it and someone else had take, taken responsibility and I found it quite hard to try and weave all my way back into it and the other thing was being the only female I didn't want to be the weepy woman in the corner who wasn't performing like she used to so I just kept a lot of it under wraps but I would just go home and cry most days Mm. and I let it go on for a good few months and then suddenly I thought I know how I can get out of this I can have another baby and this time I'll take a year off and I'll forget about work completely and I won't have to be in it anymore and that's what we did
0: I mean oh my god so much in what you've just said and I think Mainly, as you were talking, I just felt just such huge empathy, and I think any women who are listening, you've had babies know exactly the set of feelings that you're talking through I mean even down to the baby tracker apps and stuff and trying to inject structure Mm. onto something so incredibly unstructured and blowing apart of your world I mean that was me completely um the sleep that I had was so bad with my eldest I obsessively wrote everything down every single night I was writing exactly what happened what time did he wake up what was the point I don't know why I was doing it it was just trying to add order to it and if you are a very structured organized person and this is kind of part of the point of what this podcast is about which is saying that work and what we do for eight hours a day is plus is so fundamentally important to our identity and i think people and workplaces especially really underestimate what has happened to their employee when they have a baby and then they come back the losing confidence and then letting things slide and then sitting there quietly resentful And I mean, Peanut, I don't know if you've seen it, actually. A friend sent it to me yesterday. They're doing this campaign called the Invisible Mother Campaign. And it's all these amazing pictures of mums doing like mum things. And their faces have all been removed. It almost got me quite emotional (laughs) looking at it because it's like, that is how it can feel and it sounds like that's exactly how you're feeling as well it's just like where do I fit in I just feel invisible.
1: Dizzy Martin said it to me you go from being your this professional person with big ambitions and you know who you are and you know where you're headed to then becoming a mother which is so obviously extraordinary as well but looking at it through a professional lens being a mother with zero structure you don't know what you're doing it's like starting a new job except there's nobody there in the room with you and there's no instruction manual and somebody could die if you do it wrong it's that (laughs) (laughs) so true I smash the two things together and be able to function really well at full capacity on both. And I'm the harshest person of myself, as most of us are, but I really berate myself if I don't do something well. To having gone from top performer doing everything by the book and being brilliant to then not being able to give the time to be able to do that and then the baby (laughs) and trying to get through that my husband actually started playing rugby and he came back from training one night and he was just like Jess I can't put any weight on one of my feet and he'd snapped his achilles oh my god that happened literally I think the week after I'd gone back to work we've done this zigzag thing a little bit so when I was in employment and he was doing all the nursery vans of being able to move the baby, but he snapped his Achilles, and he was on crutches for oh, months. Oh my God. He literally couldn't move the baby from one room to another. He became massively depressed off the back of it. It was one of those periods where you look back on after, and you're like, how on earth did we get through that? I think that probably added to it as well, just that feeling of being completely lost for such a period of time.
0: Oh my God, so, so much. And I think it's a self-perpetuating cycle, isn't it? Because the more out of touch you feel and not good at your job, it then starts manifesting in you stepping back from things or also other people noticing and then other people making comments and even if it's not to your face, you feel like it is behind your back. And we know there is discrimination in the workplace against people who are pregnant or who have had babies. And it, it's very hard when you see all the generic comments people can make sometimes coming to life where it's just, oh, you're just not as committed. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm not. And it's, it must have been really hard. I did this weird thing again setting back on it with the value of time
1: where I would be in the room for the important conversations of so the board meetings and the the monthly and all that type of thing but I went through a bit of an epiphany of realizing that I possibly haven't been the best line manager in the past which I think again is something lots of people do after they have children realizing how I probably only ever prioritized task over my behavior so in many ways I became a much better line manager during that period because I would almost hide within my team because I I felt a bit safer with them and I would get much more involved in that side of things. But actually, when you're operating at that level, I never really heard directly from anyone you're not committed in the same way, because I think I was still there in physical form, if not contributing. But I was aware of my lack of input. So I felt like within the safety of my team, I was doing okay. And I had built much stronger relationships with those people. But the bit that mattered to my career progress, which I was just massively aware of, I just completely neglected. And I knew there was a promotion that I had seen very much as my promotion that then wasn't awarded to me. And that knocked it out of me, really. I just thought, do you know what? I, don't, I just, Oh, that's hard. Yeah, I just don't want to be in this anymore. I always talk about this kind of death by a thousand cuts thing that happens with women who are going off, obviously now doing the work I do, where any single one of those incidents might not be enough to make you leave. But actually, when you add them all up, they chip away at your engagement and your commitment and to the point where you just say... I can't do this anymore and you just give it up because it's too difficult to keep going and that's what I did.
0: I know that you said that you felt really depressed during that time but when you were at home with the baby was that your safe space or was that also not a safe space for you
1: it wasn't obviously my husband <laughs> his legs so that part wasn't great and then on friday so she's a funny little character my eldest it would take me all of friday to get her to like me again as the way that i always put it so she'd be all like daddy daddy and then eventually by maybe like five o'clock on a Friday, she'd like me again. So then we would have Saturday and Sunday together with everything being lovely. The Sunday night blues were real at that time, really real, knowing that I was going back into the next week. It would again sort of start to get sad and then know that I was going to not see her for the best part of four days. And then we'd go through the whole cycle again the following weekend. So, yeah, maybe on Saturdays and Sundays, it was a happy place.
0: Yeah, it, was a, it was a really
1: tough time.
0: Just in the timeline then, by this point you're two babies down, or was that one baby when you left Derry Dar- Lang? That was
1: just one, and when I was mm-hmm. pregnant with number two, so I did my pregnancy still there, went on maternity right, leave, and I quit completely during that maternity leave when I started to have any conversations about going back, I just realised that that just wasn't going to work.
0: What on earth was in your head then because not only is it like oh my god I've just quit my job financially it's then also like oh my god I've got two kids and oh my god I'm in the fourth trimester of my second child and also you're dealing with the really big life change that comes with going from one to two babies maybe not as big as like zero to one but there's still a big deal I remember so what was going through your mind at that time in terms of what you were going to do next to start off with I think it was just relief that relief of knowing that I wasn't going to have to go through
1: another awful return. So I felt okay for, for the first, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 months after my second was born. I could be mum and I tried to relax into it. So I had my two-year-old and the baby. I think with the second time mum and I had two of them, I grew myself into mum life a bit more. And I hung out with other mums and things. And that's the point that I realised I would be sat there in a group or talking to someone and I would meet like the ex-marketing director for a massive brand or the ex-finance director for another massive brand or the ex-sales director from another massive brand. That was when the fire started to be lit, is probably the best way to put it, when I would sit there and think, my God, like the talent in this room is more than some of the board tables that I've sat at. Like, and yet here we all are looking very grey with massive bags under our eyes and all feeling pretty dumb and pretty sad right now when actually there was just an incredible wealth of talent sat around so I had a bit of a body slam moment where I was just like Jesus Christ how have I gone from being on the succession plan to being the next CEO of a company to being a stay-at-home mum of two and then reminded mm-hmm. myself of everything I'd been through and all of those conversations, reassured myself it was the right decision. I had a very half-hearted look back in financial services to see if I might find a senior role. But we're still talking seven years ago, pre-COVID, so the, the level of flexibility didn't exist. And I knew I was emphatic about not being away three or four days a week. So the only way that I was going to go and get a job was if it meant that I could be at home a lot of the time. That didn't really exist then.
0: And so was your husband still doing his own thing at this time? Yeah and his business was
1: building pretty well by that point so at the time that I stopped I was fortunate enough that I was still paid for a year after I finished so he'd had two or three years then to build his business up so I was able to then drop out of employment and do my own thing that's how we manage things
0: speaking as a fellow person where both of you are self-employed there are pros and there are cons I think there are a lot of pros around the flexibility as you said but it's also pretty intense and pretty hard to switch off
1: yeah I find that and we still both of us aren't yet at a consistent monthly income so we're very much still feast or famine <laughs> which even <if> it's-
0: <laughs> like grafting and with four yeah. kids my god
1: knocked some things out of place that perhaps weren't there before
0: so Now I'm intrigued as to what your first business was, because I know from, and it's probably just the space that I'm in, but the number of women who were in those incredibly senior positions that you were talking about in the mum groups, whatever, the number of people who've just thought, right, I'm just going to set up on my own. I can't make a life work in the way that I want it to with the employer that I was with. So I'm just going to do it myself. And quite often it's in this like motherhood Space, I think maybe out of just the frustration that support isn't there, or they just see something, a problem that's so glaring that isn't being fixed. And like, we all know the statistics around like funding and how much harder it is as a female founded business to get funding, partially because of the diversity amongst VCs, but also just business people more generally. So, what was your first? Business because, yeah, this intrigues me. <laughs> so, my first business. So, as I said earlier, I used
1: to sit in baby groups and see how many incredible women there were in there. So, I approached my best friend and said, Have you noticed this? And she didn't have kids at the time. She was like, No, no, I, I see it. And she worked in, her and I had been project managers together and she'd moved off into the digital world. And I'd obviously stayed very much in kind of corporate financial services. So, I said to her, "Look, I, I, Do you think there's a way? of getting these skilled women into work there's two great examples so there was the lady who worked for I'm not going to name the brand but she was marketing director for a very well-known alcohol brand previously and I sat with her one day and we were talking about the change in our lives and she said oh I'm thinking about going to get a job with Majestic Majestic Wine Store like,
0: oh. oh yeah wine yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah and I was like oh that's cool that exciting doing what And she said, Oh, just in the shop. And I just went, Well, but you were a marketing director. What do you mean about going to work in the shop? And I remember leaving her house, stomping down the road with the pram, thinking, What is going on? What the hell? How is this happening? And then yeah. I met another lady who'd been a finance director somewhere else and she was making bags and sending them on Etsy. Not that anything is wrong in any of these jobs. I just have to absolutely reinforce. It's not about the job you're doing. It's about I was doing this thing before that I spent all of these years building up all of these skills, this education. Yeah, and education. And, yeah, yeah. and getting yeah. to a certain point to then having to go back and start all over again. And for some people, that's absolutely great and it brings them fulfillment and it brings them peace and happiness. And that's ultimately what I'm about with anything I do is somebody doing the thing that they want to do. What makes me cross is when somebody's not doing the thing that they want to do because the world doesn't allow them to do it. They say, oh, you did this incredible thing of having a child and now you're not equipped to do the thing that you were equipped to do before. When actually we all know it makes us better people. It brings so many different skills with it. I don't need to go through that with this audience, but it makes us better people. So why don't we live in a world that takes advantage of that and enables you to use it? So what I said to my friend is, do you think there's something in there? What if we could help all these amazing skilled women find work doing the things that they want to do. And she said, yeah, okay, I get that. And we had a few conversations. We tested the waters a little bit and thought there was something in it. Then I had the epiphany one day when a friend of mine rang who has, is a very successful entrepreneur she's absolutely amazing and she had this situation whereby something had happened with the finances in her business and when I said to her surely your FD should be on all this she said oh I don't have one I can't afford one and I was like what you're an established business now surely you must have someone looking at it and it turned out she only had this very junior bookkeeper and they'd missed it and I said to her look why don't you just hire a mum maybe four hours a week or four days a month however you want to do it and they could be that to you and that was my kind of light bulb moment thinking oh I wonder if I could build a platform which connected smaller businesses with skilled mums on a part-time and flexible basis so that's what I set out to build with my first business
0: and everything you're saying on paper sounds amazing so what happened to it because you say first business obviously I know what you're yeah. doing now but what happened to it so
1: I got a, a litany of errors slash incredible things that you can learn from so the first thing I did I was gonna say learning learning <laughs> yeah, so the, the first thing we did was obviously went off look, looked at what was out there realized there was a bit of a gap which was great I had a platform built the first thing I did though was I sat in a room on my own for six months and I wrote a 120 page spec <laughs> of what my platform should look like now any business owner will tell you if you want to start up a business the first thing you do is you go out and you speak to your customers and you, you garner support and you build up a bit of a following and you try and establish yourself so it wasn't necessarily the best start but we got the platform built we put it out there and actually we did really well for a brand point of view and we built up quite a good following we launched the business and then a month later in fact it wasn't even a month I think it was about two weeks covid hit excellent yeah if you're going to be out there asking small businesses to spend money to hire people let's just say that the timing wasn't ideal it was fine so we pulled back for a few months and kind of relaunched later that year burnt through a lot of cash quite quickly because i think things hadn't quite returned to normal and then actually you know we did okay i won a couple of awards so i won a female entrepreneur of the year award with enterprise and we won a diversity and inclusion award with tech nation as they were then so we had we had some great coverage but i think if i was to reflect back on where did we go wrong it's we didn't test things with our customers enough so we didn't go out we were were doing a bit of stabbing in the dark without identifying exactly who we would go after. So we would have some successes and a lot of no's. So it's very difficult to get in front of a small business audience without lots of money to do it digitally. And I mm. think that was probably our biggest learning. And then being distracted by some bigger brands coming and saying, oh, actually, we might work with you. And you would have success with mm. one. And then the next 50 you spoke to would say, oh, yeah, I love the idea of hiring mum, sounds great on paper. But the second you ask them to spend anything, being like, oh, well, actually, no, that's you no. Know, the return's not big enough. And there's something in mm. here about companies that say they are all about this but when you actually ask them to go and spend money making it happen then it's, it's very different we were also up against recruitment, not my background and whilst I know I saw it much more as a diversity business and a recruitment business ultimately we were asking organizations to spend money hiring people and that's where we would end up and yeah it, it's not my field there are some amazing women in this space who've made a, a real success of it who I think are absolutely fantastic so I will always say to people if you are out looking for flexible and part-time work you must check um, Elizabeth Willits find your flex nine to three jobs CJ talent 10 to 2 there are some extraordinary women who have been through exactly like you said they've been through unexperience and they've gone and set something up and made a real success out of it fortunately mm. I couldn't do the same but I think what it did was set me up for everything that I'm doing now, established me as a bit of a voice in the space. Somebody said to me very early on, make yourself a thought leader. That's going to be the key to your success. And I heard that, listened to that and put a lot of time into making that happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's just such a good way to be actively listening to people all the time and seeing what else is out there and see what resonates with people. And that's one of the big pluses about social media, right? So it's pretty real time feedback as to what people think. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Sorry to interrupt. Are you a woman on a career comeback journey? Or a business looking to empower your female employees during their returnities? Well, let me introduce you to the Springback Guide, a revolutionary digital coaching product that's changing the game for women and businesses alike. Our Springback Guide is designed to help women go back to work feeling happy and confident. It's like having a personal coach right on your phone, guiding you every step of the way. Plus, now here's the real game changer it costs just a fraction of the price of conventional coaching. No more time-consuming and expensive coaching sessions. With Springback Guide, we're putting the power in your hands right where it belongs. We're not just changing the game, we're changing the way women and businesses consider returnity. So, if you're looking to make your career come back with confidence, or if you're a business looking to empower your female workforce and want to find out more, visit us at springbackguide.com or follow us on Instagram at Springback Guide and join the revolution today. So hang on, when did the other two babies happen? What happened with those and how have you made those with what you're doing now?
1: So baby number three happened. Remember when I said I shut myself in a dark room and I wrote a speck? Oh yeah, I did that whilst I was pregnant with baby number three which actually on reflection is maybe why I did it that way because I don't really like talking to people when I'm pregnant I get a bit antisocial and I'm a bit moody <laughs> <laughs> I did that and then a lot of the building happened whilst I was giving birth and in those first couple of months so so that was fine so yeah baby number three my little boy was quite young when we launched and we were getting ready to launch and we were planning and then. Then we obviously went into lockdown. So when we went into lockdown, I had three children. So my little boy was very young. I had one who just started reception and then one in the middle. Must have been
0: mental. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm politely saying. at <laughs> <laughs> the time let say how it is, mental. <laughs> yeah, we were actually quite fortunate and then
1: my sister and her boyfriend were staying with us throughout that because they were in a one bedroom flat and when it all kicked off they were with us so they stayed and ended up staying with us for a very long time but actually that was amazing so we had an extra pair of hands, we were really fortunate enough for, for that to be the case but yeah I mean it was absolutely crazy and I was trying to kick off this new business and obviously really excited and enthused about it and then what happened we went went on the journey we were into our second year of the business when i had basically said to my husband that i'd always wanted four children i could have stopped after three but he said, you said you always wanted four. Like, I was ready for number four. This was after lockdown. Obviously, we were all feeling that it wasn't this nice to have all this family time. And yeah, one extra one wouldn't be so bad. And I said to him, if we have number four, I need to be done with the birth and the breastfeeding by the time I turn 40. And he was like, OK, let's do it. So I just, <laughs> we did. <laughs> Cracked on. <laughs> and at that point, actually, his business was all going really well and everything. So we then bought... Um, be very honest about the journey we then bought the forever house so this was Amazing. still in throes of lockdown We sold our house and then there was a six-week gap. This was a probate house and there was a six-week gap kind of in between us completing and then moving into this one. And we ended up in this temporary place that we stayed in. My middle child at that point just went into absolute meltdown. And at the same time, a friend of mine was pregnant with twins and she lost them very late. So it was around the sort of 25, 26.
0: Oh. Oh my God, I'm really sorry. That's terrible. Yeah, it, it was really hard.
1: And I think when you're, when it's somebody who's close to you, obviously it's not the same as going through it, but when it happens to someone close to you and you're pregnant at the same time as you feel it very <sighs> deeply. I'm delighted to say now that she has had a, another baby. So it has all worked out, but it was a really sad time for everybody. So yeah, that happened. We were in between houses and my middle child just didn't react well to all of her stuff being in storage and being in a different house. And she was just awful. Mm. That wasn't the best time. But then we moved into the house and baby number four arrived safely a few months later
0: okay and so fourth child is now just turned two so around the same age as my little man but you're doing something really amazing now and this is what the whole point of this conversation really is about which is supporting businesses and people who are change makers in this space and careers after babies why don't you describe it in your own words we
1: are leading the movement to create a world-class cohort of employers of working parents oh love it
0: That's a very snappy punchline
1: so the way this came about I knew when the baby was young that my last business was possibly not going to survive um it's taken me a long time to come to terms with that and I've only very recently been able to say it's closing we're still going through that at the moment it's hard when it's your first business in particular I think and you feel so attached to it to be able to let go of that is, is really tough and we're just we're going through all of that at the moment but I realized in that year after she was born that it was going to happen we bought the house we had one of my husband's clients let us down for a very significant amount of money so I needed to be earning more quickly is, is what happened so I started to look at what else I could do and I went back to do a bit of consultancy and in insurance for a while after swearing that I would never go near insurance ever again I think when you have <laughs> a conversation with yourself I realized that I had a great network in insurance I knew lots of people I had credibility in that space and actually by that point I think I had realised that. It It's a place that I could make an impact. It's a place that I understood. So I went back and I've been fortunate enough to secure some consultancy work, which I still do a little bit of to this day. So by then I'd moved away from not just doing the hiring platform side, but working with businesses on things like what does a good return look like? What does a good maternity leave look like? How do you keep people engaged? How do we keep women when they come back into the business? How do we kick their careers off again? So working on kind of all of the problems around this space. And I was invited to an APPG. They are cross-parliamentary groups structured around different social themes. So there is one that is themed women at work. And obviously all quite broad and they cover lots of different things. They're, really, they're worth getting involved in. You meet lots of incredible people through them. And I was invited up to one and I wanted to take a data set with me. You'll hear this is my obsession still about women falling out of their jobs. So I wanted to take a data set with me that told that story. I'd never been able to find the report that did that. So I thought I'll do what mm. us moms do and I'll just do it myself. So I put a survey out thinking maybe hundred or so people would come back. And then I would be able to say, this is how many people are falling out of the workplace. What actually happened was within two weeks, well over 800 women had responded on the survey. Then I very quickly clocked that I was going to have to do all the data analysis. So I stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> it <was 750. laughs> And then I blocked six weeks out to do all of the data analysis. This was at the back end of last year. My consultancy contract had finished. So I took six weeks and I just to completely absorbed myself in this data. The product of that was the Careers After Babies report that I published in January this year. That was called Careers After Babies, The Uncomfortable Truth. And that report went viral on LinkedIn unexpectedly. Now, it's been incredible. Data has been used in so many different forums, um, and it found that. Should I give you some a couple of the headline findings? I think that's important for what comes next. Definitely. So the findings were that ninety-eight percent of women want to go back to work. And given the choice, 86% of women would choose to work three days or more and 52% of women would choose to work four days or more, which is really important. I'll I'll come back to it. It also found that 85% of women leave the full-time workforce within three years of having children. 19% leave Mm. together. And of the 24% that try and go back to their pre-full-time hours, almost 60% of those end up leaving within two years. The other interesting thing in there was that when women return to a different role, so you know, quite often companies will say to us, oh, we can't make flexible working work in this role, but we can make it in this one. 79% Mm. of them leave within two years. So that's not working as a retention tool. The other couple of bits were there are 32% fewer women in mid-management roles after having children and a 44% increase in women in admin roles. So actually, if you want to know why you've got a gender pay gap or why there's such disparity in leadership, that's why. And then the sickening stats that it takes more than 10 years for women's careers to recover and three quarters of us earn less after we have kids than have been before. So the findings were pretty stark. And I made a point of presenting them in a big call to action way to say, this isn't good enough. We need to do something about it. I was obviously delighted when the report went viral. But what I wasn't expecting was the 100 slash 200 organisations that reached out to me to say, Jess, this is not good enough. What can we do about it? So what I started to do was build a framework for what good looks like. So in speaking to all of those organisations and all of the research and everything I knew from my diversity work and my own background and friends and family, build a picture of what a good organisation looks like in this space and how they keep women. And I looked at it through policy process and practice because everyone focuses on policies and yes, they're needed and yes, they're a sign of your public commitment. But actually it's about how an organisation behaves with us that makes the difference and determines whether we stay with them or not. And we yeah, now developed a framework with 75 proof points around seven key themes and we go in and do a huge data analysis we look at employee opinion data and then hr proof points to determine where an organization is at the minute and then we roadmap with them to get them to becoming accredited so i sit down with them and say right here's the stuff you're asap here's the stuff that's not so good and here's how we can fix it and then i I basically work with them for a period of time to get them to becoming careers after babies accredited
0: oh my god And that's why I wanted to talk to you because this to me really is change making. And even just that report went viral and that you had companies reaching out to you. I mean, I think a lot of women spend a lot of time, I think, feeling like you're just shouting into the abyss and that nobody is listening so I think to have people reach out to you I think is really exceptional and really special and yeah I think positioning it as a call to action is absolutely right because the statistics are terrifying and I mean I'm sure that a lot of people saw the Guardian article the other day about there was a report published recently I think by the Fawcett Society saying that 250,000 women well mums have left the workforce because of childcare costs or like childcare arrangements and it's just like, this just isn't good enough and this is a crisis and it just feel sometimes like nobody is listening. And I do think that this is one of the biggest HR trends that's going to be coming up which is considering the holistic journey of a woman of childbearing age for want of a better like term in your organization because otherwise there is no point hiring them in the first place if you are just expecting them all in their 30s to drop off a cliff and never come back again what is the point what is the point and i think yeah anyway sorry i <laughs> can get me ranting now we should all be really cross about it and it's this thing isn't it that it happens because it happened to
1: you and it happened to your best friend and it happened to your sister, or all his- But actually, I think what the data did for me was demonstrate on what massive a scale it's happening on. And that's what it's done for a lot of people to make them sit up and say, oh, my God, actually, when you see it in these stark terms, it makes a massive difference. And the work the Fawcett Society and Pregnant and Screed are doing is absolutely incredible. Isn't it? uh, Raising the profile of this. We all need to keep shouting about it. What I'm trying to focus on is that and how do you fix Mm. it? Because I think there there are lots of massive amplifications of it and it's amazing and we should all shout and we should be cross, what I want to do is say to organisations, it doesn't have to be like this. You can keep women in your business and it is worth hiring them. And actually, there's some research coming out of Australia demonstrating that they're a bit further ahead on the shared parental journey than us. And where their men are taking more shared parental leave, they're starting to face the same issues that we've been facing for years. So that will come as well. So we're trying to address that whole issue and saying it doesn't have to be like this. Mm. and that's why I do talk- this world-class cohort so actually let's get a group of people together let's nail the solution make sure we've got it right and then inspire other organizations to do the same Mm. the other interesting thing actually so we've had lots of big organizations get in touch but I've also surprisingly had loads of smaller businesses get in touch saying we want to be part of this and we want to do it and the way that we have structured the data analysis and things doesn't work so for them they told us they're either brilliant at this and they want a badge to show it or actually there are organizations that say saying we want to grow in the right way or it's a mum run business and they say we want to make sure we've got all the good things in place so Mm. we've literally just you're hearing it here first and uh, 24 hours ago I launched the Careers After Babies membership and the Careers After Baby certification for smaller businesses. So you basically can, via our site, you can log into a portal that gives you everything you need to become an amazing employer of working parents. So there are guides in there, there are toolkits, there's templates, there's case studies, there are referrals to some incredible coaches letty little (laughs) thanks (laughs) (laughs) basically everything a smaller business needs to grow in the right way consciously thinking about working parents from day one because I think this is what we need to do you need to catch it at the beginning and then we need to change some of the bigger more established businesses to just make them do the right thing on this always get challenged on business cases and how much it's going to cost Like, do you know what the cost of this accreditation is probably the equivalent of the cost of the recruitment fee for you to go out and hire a paceman how about you exactly. don't do it and instead stop all of the women leaving your business
0: yeah Exactly, exactly. I mean, you were talking about amazing cohorts of people in this space. I mean, another thing I think worth mentioning is Elliot Ray, who's a previous guest of Returnity. He's been on here before. He's the only bloke I've him. ever had. And the stuff that he is doing around supporting shared parental leave as a priority in terms of fixing most everything <laughs> that's wrong with this is just amazing, like really, really amazing.
1: And it's absolutely incredible. He yeah, yeah. always has to be speaking to. You. The other guy who's fantastic to talk to is Hanson so Lee he's one of my accreditation board members so one of my experts that I bring in to help Hansen has Daddy Life which is another fantastic resource for dads on helping you through all aspects of the dad journey mm-hmm. he even published a book last year actually on supporting dads through hypnobirthing which my husband contributed to
0: oh that's awesome um, I will totally so, check him yeah, out
1: amazing. it's also that getting back onto your career ladder i've literally come off the call with a lady this morning who said that she was like me she was fast trapped and she was doing really well And she's now looks back and she's been in the same job for five years and she would never have done that before. And it's only just now her kids are two and four that she's starting to think about her career development. So one of the things that we really encourage through the accreditation is I know it seems when you first go back to work, you think I can't possibly think about changing jobs because it's too much alongside having children. But actually think just even having it on your mind, thinking about your career development plan and just your development in general and how do you keep that moving along, I think is so important important to getting us back into that headspace because it doesn't have to be one or the other. If you're in the right organization with the right structure and the right support and they're able to offer flexible working and they're understanding when you need to be a mum and about how you are at work, it can all fit together. I hate the you can't have it all. Maybe not. You can but I think you can if it's structured in the right way and if both areas are willing to give a bit. If you've got a supporting partner and you've got a supportive workplace, then actually maybe you can have it all. It might just not look like it did before.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think people get so wound up about that term, don't they? Because like, well, you can't have everything. Yeah. It's just like oh, hang on. It's just it's all subjective. If you could have the things you want, what would that look like? And why don't we try and enable that and make whatever that is for that person like for Feminism is about choices. And at the moment, I think some choices are being closed off and that's not right. And that's what we're trying to fix. But it's about being able to make the choice that you want to make.
1: Absolutely. I've been trolled a couple of times by women saying, oh, you're trying to keep... Me too. It's okay. <laughs> you're trying to keep women women away from the home and being away from their babies I'm not I'm absolutely not what I'm about is giving women and men the choice to be the type of parent they want to be and the type of professional they want to be 83 percent of women in the UK will be a mother by the time they're 45 and that number is just as high for men so actually this like nothing else affects the majority of your workforce and the majority of people so why aren't we doing more to enable it and to make that transition easier and to stick with people through those times and enable them to be the best versions of themselves I don't get it
0: I think that's probably the best note to end on because I couldn't agree more I'll ask you one quick question before you go because I know we've overrun but where would you like to see it in years careers after babies where would you like it to be I would like the Careers After Babies stamp to
1: be on every organisation's website who are doing this right. I want those companies who are supporting working parents to be out there loud and proud about it. And I see it as my job to amplify that. And I also want parents to know my ultimate raison d'etre with this is I want people to be able to have a family and know that they will come out of the other side professionally fulfilled and earning money to be able to do the things that they want to do that's what I'm trying to do through careers after babies
0: well I think it's an amazing mission and thank you so much for being the second guest on the change makers series of fraternity it's been an absolute pleasure to have you so thank you so much thank you so much have me detty it's been great i just want all of the mums
1: out there to know that it's going to be okay you'll go through some rough times and it can feel really hard and impossible at times but you can do it and there are organizations out there that can make this easier
0: for you so true all right well thank you so much thanks you made it thank you for tuning into this episode of Returnity. We hope you found the discussion inspiring and informative. Returnity is about celebrating and supporting women on their back to work journeys. And speaking of support, don't forget about the Springback Guide. It's the innovative and cost-effective solution for women and businesses alike. Empower yourself or your female workforce with confidence and success on the road to returnity. To learn more about the Springback Guide and how it's changing the way we approach women's return to work, visit springbackguide.com. See you next week.